The various sports-based massaging process can be a yes. little painful. can be. Anyway, welcome to the Under the Bar podcast. It's uh, the Under the Bar podcast with... Once uh, again. Rawdon and Tom and Cam. Cam. Now, now look, who we got coming? This very is Very exciting. Um, we've had the uh, Dr. Michael Scully part one last week and uh, certainly some very interesting feedback coming mm. back, uh, mm. after that one. I don't think there's, you know, too many better exposés on the topic. Mm. And on part two Taboo. today... The elephant in the room. He's going balls deep into... Uh, Roostering. Well, there's even a little bit of a how-to yeah. in terms of the we, post-cycle therapy side of things. Yeah. Well, we, ha- we have to keep reeling him back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. he's like, well, guys, this is what you should... No, no, it's we just want to know the ins and outs. Ins and outs. But if you have, if you have gone down the path... Yep. Then um, there'll be a towards the end of uh, part two. He goes into some pretty good detail mm. about uh, the post cycle therapy process yeah. and the different things you can do to stimulate the testicles mm. and then stimulate the brain mm. and the timing of those processes. So I think that's very it, invaluable. It, it is, man. And um, you know, interestingly, uh, our listeners will be well aware of uh, Mr. Chavez, Broderick Chavez, who I spend a lot of time with uh, these days, mentoring yep. with. And uh, he has an interesting take on the the whole PCT side of things, and the way he uh, the way he looks at it is, okay, you've been on super physiological doses of anabolics, so you feel amazing. Yep. Guess what? You're no longer on super physiological doses of anabolics, so you will not feel amazing. Man up, let the body do its thing. Yep. Three to six months, you'll be back to a an acceptable baseline, and uh, life goes on. And he. He doesn't like the taking drugs away and replacing it with more drugs to take. You, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, okay, the body's had drugs, take them out, give the body a break from all the drugs, let the body naturally do its thing, organically, if you will. Yep. But, you know, the caveat that comes with that is, yeah, cool story, but... Three to six months <laughs> of... Yeah. Three to six months of... And, and you know, for some, it's, it's feeling like death, you know, yeah. like the, the psychological side of things. If you're... I think if you're a have a strong disposition mentally, then that's probably something that you could do, just weather the storm and, um, you know, accept the reality. But for most, it is, uh, you know, the the depths to which you'll uh, sink uh, Mm. psychologically with depression and whatnot, you know, it can be a really, really challenging time. So PCT definitely has its place. And look, it'll probably vary from person to person, like like all of these things. And if Mm. you've got a lot going on in your life or you have a family and running a business or various other things, some people just simply can't afford to spend that length of time being unproductive being yeah. unproductive for sure I guess what, what this is coming down to and something that Dr. Scully will go into Rawdon and you mentioned that you would like to talk about is if they could somehow come up with a magical <laughs> uh, a magical product that was highly anabolic uh, that, and not so androgenic yes then um, then this could be achieved well the, the interesting thing Tom is uh, and our listeners uh, our, our more savvy listeners will be saying well there are boys they're called SAM selective androgen receptor modulators and they're fundamentally supposed to be just that Tommy they're um, you know all the anabolics with none of the androgenics and mm. uh, Dr. Scully will knock that one on its head yeah and the reality is um from what I've heard, my take on it is, and I get asked about it all the time, it's a new science, relatively new. You know, you do not know what the long-term effects are going to be for, you know, mucking around with, with the androgen levels in the body um, with SARMs. You, you just don't know. There's no very, very, if any, little human research. If yep. it is, it's, it's very um, fresh uh, fresh, and, and probably biased towards the producers of the, the SARMs. Um, but no real good studies. Uh, you know, anabolics, uh, on the other hand, have been around, you know, for many, many, many years, been used in uh, many medical scenarios, and fundamentally that's why they were created. Um, and, you know, the, the side effects and, and um, repercussions of using them are all uh, reasonably well known, although there's not a lot of research into super physiological 
doses, if any. So, mm. I mean, that's a, a different beast altogether. But we, we do know what the, the side effects in general are. So, for my money, yeah, you, you, you better the devil you know, I, I think, in regards to that. Because the Psalms even, um, you know, I was talking to uh, Larry Vanette, IFBB Pro, who um, has had some experience with uh, some of his athletes. Um, and, you know, he was reporting that, that he does see side effects with the... Uh, you know, when the dosages are at a sufficient level, so they are having some uh, pronounced anabolic activity, they then get a lot of the side effects as well. So yeah. they don't seem to be uh, side effect free. But yeah, what I wanted to talk about was this really, uh, our listeners might find it interesting, is this, this whole anabolic uh, and androgenic um, characteristics of anabolics. And um, it was actually a conversation that I had with, with Broderick, because I'm fascinated by all this stuff. And mm. And uh, and he he said, well, do you want to know how they created this this? Uh, so each each uh, um, anabolic will have an anabolic to androgenic ratio. Yep. So basically, how much uh, anabolic activity and how much androgenic activity the particular anabolic will have, and then based on that, you can sort of pick and choose. You know, relatively speaking, um, I mean, it might still be a. Uh, you know, medical scenario that you're using it, but if you know the, the anabolic and androgenic ratio, then you can sort of pick ones that, that might have more androgenic activity if it's a puberty-related issues and you want all those masculinizing effects of the anabolic with, with minimal, uh, you know, uh, pronounced uh, increase in muscle mass and everything else. Maybe you want, you know, a young boy to go through puberty. So you, you might pick and uh, you might be able to choose uh, your anabolic... More androgenic. Uh, more androgenic uh, yep. properties. But basically, um, how they created it or uh, how it all came about was uh, two groups of rats in a, in a lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, one cage with, uh, you know, not doing anything, just a rat sitting there. And then the other cage was a, a rat stuck on a, on a wheel. And basically gave them the testosterone and uh, to both rats, and they were checking uh, the rat on the left who wasn't exercising, and the rat on the right that was exercising. And then they saw how much uh, extra muscle mass, mu- muscle mass, the the calf uh, of the rat exercising, uh, you know, Develop. induced yep. uh, compared to the one that wasn't. So two rats, rats, one exercising, one not, gave them both anabolics, and then they also. Uh, the seminal vesicle which is similar to a prostate uh, in rats mm-hmm. um, they checked to see if that was enlarged and basically they they then concluded that if it was enlarged it was more pronounced androgenic activity because that's a you know more associated with androgenic yep. uh, activity of the anabolic so they looked at the this this uh, seminal vesicle growth and then the growth of the calf and then uh, basically gave the different anabolics uh, numbers of the ratio so Testosterone, like I said, was 100 uh, to 100. So, I mean, basically, um, you know, uh, a good amount of anabolic activity with a good amount of androgenic activity. So, so you fairly got even split. Even split. And then things like um, oxandrolone or anavar, our listeners might be aware of. Uh, don't quote me, but it would be an anabolic to androgenic ratio of like 60 to 30 or something like that. But So not as much, uh, and they're not exact numbers, guys. I, I don't remember the exact uh, numbers, mm. but the point was it was less anabolic potential than testosterone, but far less androgenic activity. Right. So usually that's an anabolic that, that females would consider using if they were going to use it for a, you know physique improving purposes. Um, but everything comes with androgenic activity. You know, there's yeah. no anabolic you can't that doesn't. escape it. But it was just interesting that it was, uh, that's how it all came about. Mm. Uh, you know, two groups of rats, one exercising a little wheel, and they, they measured how much uh, uh, muscle was added to the calf. Yep. And they concluded that's how much uh, anabolic potential the, the drug had. Uh, and then how much the, the seminal vesicle in the rat um, uh, hypertrophied, like a prostate would, uh, in, in um, they, you know, drew conclusions, that's how androgenic the drug was. And for, you know, it's worth mentioning that a lot of listeners will be aware of uh, Trenbolone and, uh, you know, that uh, 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 anabolic had a... <laughs> At an anabolic to androgenic ratio of a 500 to 500. So, you know, wow. you got quite a bit more anabolic potential than uh, testosterone, but then you also get a ton of uh, androgenic activity as well. So uh, quite an aggressive uh, uh, anabolic, that one. But mm. it's it just, just interesting that uh, I listeners might have... Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. They, uh, but then they've, they've also... You know, then conclude it's not quite as black and white as that. And although it has a good anabolic to androgenic ratio, they're still getting some individuals will still get lots of androgenic activity. Yes. And it's, well, it's Dr. Not Scully quite referred to that. that as well. You know, like um, the individual variability. Yeah, he refers yeah. to this uh, B 
bell curve of yes. side effects where yes. people will where people will fall. So it's yeah. uh, some experience. And you know the primary everything. problem that he sort of exposed was that there is just no data on this because it's not recognised medically. If there was some system to measure yep. and and report and gather yep. data, then they could probably start yeah. uh, assembling a, a better picture as to. Yeah, how these side effects, various compounds else. could impact the the individual. So yeah, and anyway. its impact on society as well. Yep. I mean, like we've mentioned, I think last time, you know, heroin. There's methadone clinics and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and mm. and you know, even any any recreational drug addiction, there's a system in place to deal with it. But anabolics go to the doctor. Hey, you know, it's it's uh, well, shouldn't have done that, and they turn them away and. You know, like I said, the the psychological um, disposition of the individual can be mm. a you know a, a, a serious repercussion on society. Like it's um, you know these guys need help. Yep. Well, we'll go to Dr. Scally right now. Uh, before we do so, go to underthebarpodcast.com uh, to send us a speak pipe yeah. or an email. Uh, you will, they're also coming up, Rawdon, in very short period of time. A little yeah. uh, a little offshoot to the, to the Under the Bar podcast. We've got a new concept called trench talk mm, and mm. uh well, it is it, broadcast <laughs> from the death star of energy balance that's exactly you know not the millennium noggin we're, we're it's no, different we're changing different. location we're going right into the depths of the trenches yep. in the death star, death star. and uh, basically rodan that's just you and i uh, chewing the fat about mm. what goes on mm. uh balls deep in the trenches yep. so to speak different and, topics uh, yeah that relevant w- to uh the industry you know what's going on with your business my business Training-wise, training, you know, nutrition. uh, nutritional strategies, various things that we've tried that work and don't work, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that will appear on the SoundCloud page. The first episode, maybe two episodes of that will be freely available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on, once we get... Because it, yeah. it gets a bit loose. Loose. Uh, and not necessarily appropriate for the broader community. So mm. that will then be a subscription-based... Mm. We don't want to expose everyone to uh, the, yeah, polywaffle the polywaffle that goes on yeah. between Who you and I. Who wants to listen so, to us? So, you know, you can, they can choose to listen to, to us if they Or choose they not wish. to. Yep, which is also totally cool. But keep your eyes out for that one coming up shortly. So now we'll go to Dr. Michael Scully. Uh, I'm asking him about the various different forms of testosterone and he'll explain all that kind of stuff. Really, really interesting, Dr. Scallion. There's a few points we'll come back to a little later, but we've so far we've mentioned a few different forms of exogenous testosterone. There's been the nandrolone, the dianabol, the winstrol, some of these things. Mm. What are the difference between these compounds and do they have different effects on the body well like i said some of them are uh made for oral use and i think you mentioned you mentioned winstrol uh the ones we think about are uh, halotestin which is a form of uh, testosterone uh, winstrol or uh, oxandrolone or uh, it's all them um anadrol oxymethylone these are different names for the uh anabolic series taken by mouth dianabol and uh, they may cause more liver problems because they actually go through the liver and they're made not to be uh, metabolized so quickly. And then we have the injectables, nandrolone um, and testosterone, different derivatives that are used that aren't as toxic to the liver uh, and that men use. They, they use. they use different combinations of these for the ideas of increasing anabolic muscle effects over the androgenic effects which are not wanted, hair loss. Uh, okay. which is uh, probably the major one, a uh, prostate one that they think about as, as another one. And so they try to use those ones that are greater enter- in anabolic effects than they are androgenic effects. And yet, even here, it's sort of almost a little bit peculiar is that there's so different kind of studies that they use to check the difference in ratios between anabolic and androgenic, and some things we can say in general are that way, but yet we don't have real good firm grasp of that. Yeah. Uh, and what told most of the people that come to me is if you're going to use anabolic steroids, and I guess, I don't know if you want to get in this part here, this is sort of an instruction manual, uh, 101. <laughs> yeah, uh, go for it. If, if they're going to use anabolic steroids, they need to get away from this idea that, well, you know, I'm going to use this my first cycle and I'm going to use this, this one, this one, this one, because this one does this, this one does this, and this one does yeah. that. And most of the time when they get those things from forums or other people, they have no idea what they're talking about. So what I try and tell them to do, which is the best thing to do, is take testosterone and use a higher dose of testosterone, five or six hundred milligrams per week, with nothing but that, so you can learn what that what that anabolic steroid, the one we 
testosterone does exactly for your body. And until you do that and learn what it does for yourself, don't add another one in to find out what it does. And uh, most of the time you can basically stick with testosterone or add one into it in order to get to your goals if you're building muscle mass. You don't need to add that many in. Now I will send a caveat into that depending upon who you are. I have taken care of three Mr. Olympias. Okay. Two are winners. Uh, one, uh, one was a, a top three finisher. And uh, I remember to this day, the winner, and he's very well known, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, how do you decide what anabolic steroid to take for your cycle? And it's funny because it's more than 20 years since I've seen this fellow. And he said, simple, Dr. Scott, I take whatever I can get, when I can get, as much as I can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said to me. Now, I'm not giving that advice to other people. But that's exactly what some of these people are doing out there, and it's sort of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he did, um, and he didn't suggest it for anybody. But he basically said that was the crazy person's philosophy. Mm. And that, I think, uh, unfortunately, that's the reality. Like the mm. the bulk of the people listening to this podcast who have had exposure to anabolic steroids. I would say have done it without any, uh, mm. without knowing what they're doing. Mm. Uh, more is better approach mm. with a goal to building as, as much muscle mass as as possible. And so the there's a, a bit of a gap between uh, what you're describing, Dr. Scally, and what the reality mm. of of use is that's actually that's actually out there. But it, but again, I, I guess it's, I suppose it's that stigma in that they've got to resort to to forums and, and yes. bros and all that sort of stuff that encourages this type of behavior but i guess dr scally's point of okay you know a gp uh, individual comes in i'm gonna uh i'm gonna do uh anabolics i want to build muscle uh okay cool we're gonna do that well you know here are the recommendations that i've been taught you know and and almost uh it's going to be done anyway so why not do it monitor it exactly you know and and i guess that would be the 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 ultimate uh, goal of 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 you know the medical community in regards to this Mm. Um, exactly. Instead of moralizing and, and, and uh, dictating to somebody what they're going to do, uh, we take care of them. But on top of that, we're able to find out what do, the amount of data, the, the amount of information we could find about what these yeah. things actually do mm. and how they do them and which one does works better than uh, another one. Because right now we have just sort of uh, theoretical studies that use different, you know, we use anabolic steroids in roosters and rats uh, to find out the anabolic, the anabolic effect we we do this thing called a Hirschberg assay. We check their butt muscle, called the levator anine muscle. Now we have different techniques also, but we use that to check to see how much it increases muscle mass. That's not a very good assay. Or we check the rooster's comb, the, little, the comb up there to check its androgenic effect. What kind of bizarre way are we checking the, <laughs> the human uh, effects of these anabolic steroids? Well, but uh, here's, another, here's another thing that we, we, we don't know, uh, is that a lot of these things uh, come from underground labs, they're not yeah, safe, they're yeah. ineffective, or worse, they may, they're not real, or they can cause probably toxic side effects. Wouldn't it be great if these people, these patients, know that they're not going to be thrown in jail, they're going to be taken care of, and on top of that, we end up having a central place or an, an ability to sample the steroids that they're taking for mm. toxic substances, purity, or whatever the case may be. So that if we do discover something, we can immediately put an alert out there saying, be careful. Instead of finding out when it's too late. Yeah. That's that's uh, an absolutely fascinating point you raised there. And I will uh, actually tell the listener and yourself a, a little story that a GP that I was uh, was seeing in the past uh, uh, said that one of her uh, patients actually passed away and they they investigated his uh, his uh, apartment, wherever it was, and they found steroids. But they, they found, they tested the bottles and there was actually, now be it they knew that it was in there, but there was actually traces of, uh, of arsenic. Um, and he was actually poisoned himself to death. Like he, obviously it was an underground lab. He was using anabolic steroids. But like you said, it wasn't tested. He was just taking, assuming it that was testosterone or whatever it is. But it, how they prepared it had you know other chemicals in it and he actually that was the reason for his uh, death when they when they um tested the vials so um that would be amazing if that could actually occur but that probably a long way off um dr scally uh you mentioned uh, the the androgenic uh anabolic side effects 
Do you want to just sort of explore that? Uh, because, you mm-hmm. know, the listeners probably think steroids just build muscle, but it comes with uh, comes with certain baggage, and I guess that would be the... Uh, uh, although it's not baggage for someone that's going through puberty, the androgenic side effects of, of growing hair and all that type of stuff is probably warranted, but... Um, can we just explore that one where different uh, different drugs or fundamentally I guess that's the why there are different anabolics it is to do with the trying to get that uh, correct me if I'm wrong just the masculinizing effects the, the cool muscle building recovery all that type of stuff and, and less of the androgenic effects is that sort of why there are all these different classes of anabolics you know I, th- I think Probably it's the curiosity to try and develop a stronger anabolic. Um, Probably. <laughs> and also, it's also, uh, if you think about it, when we, when we go back to what I was talking about, and as far as the uh, uh, the inhibition of the uh, axis, yep. we have a new class of androgens called SARMs. Yeah, yeah. Selective androgen receptor modulators. Okay, they're not steroidal. But they are a mixture of different compounds. They're nothing like testosterone whatsoever. <clears throat> and anyhow, the reason why one of those things came out is what they were developed to try and have no significant androgenic effects. So in other words, they wouldn't have the hair loss. They wouldn't have the gynecomastia. They wouldn't have any kind of effects yep. on the prostate, uh, um, etc. But they would be just mostly muscle. Again, the reason why these these drugs are being wanted to be developed is for medical conditions. Osteoporosis, yeah. cancer, loss of muscle mass with cancer, sarcopenia, even even uh, diseases like COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where they lose muscle mass and they can't breathe. Yeah. Those drugs were developed uh, with that in mind, but yet we have found that it's impossible, basically, to this point, and I feel like it will always be impossible to develop something that affects the androgen receptor, which separates completely out the anabolic effect against the and- androgenic effect. Uh, yeah. So you're always going to have an inhibition of the uh, pituitary axis, and you're going to always, always have some kind of effects, anabolic and androgenic, maybe some with a little bit more than the other. Yeah. Uh, it just comes it, with the territory. It, it comes It comes with the territory. Now, you know, some may be uh, less than others, like a, a nandrolone um, is a good anabolic steroid, good for muscle building. Uh, doesn't have any any kind of liver problems whatsoever. You could probably use huges. Well, I shouldn't say this again, it, it, but with higher doses, you won't see that. But then you have uh, the oral antibiotic steroids like uh, uh, Anadrol, Anavar, uh, Winstrol, which are the oral antibiotic steroids. They have good anabolic effects too, but they would be very toxic, very uh, harmful to the liver if you get in higher dosages. Right. So even though we've developed these SARMs, they're not, they're not steroidal, they still cannot separate out the anabolic and androgenic effects. Yeah, it's just, uh, just like you said, comes with the territory, I suppose. Um, and it's a matter of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, managing the side effects. And would you also say that um, that's also, uh, from my experience, seeing, you know, athletes that I'm working with and, and colleagues, I suppose, you know, one person may get lots of side effects and another person just doesn't get many at all. Is it also uh, an individual thing with the, the, the side effects um, or the androgenic side effects where, and, and oh, I suppose the, the, the masculinizing side effects, the, the anabolic side effects and the androgenic side effects vary from person to person? Yeah, absolutely. But that, 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 uh, that's, that's to be fully, ex- yes. The answer is absolutely yes. And that's to be fully expected. And that comes from uh, what we basically call our Gaussian distribution. And what a Gaussian distribution is, you're familiar with that? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> You're familiar with the bell curve. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So when you have uh, we have an effect, uh, you'll have a certain mean and a distribution around that mean. Yep. Right. And, and so uh, what I'm saying is, it, it, depending upon what kind of drug and the kind of side effects you're going to have, you're going to have certain people on that bell curve. They're going to be one extreme, and certain people are going to be on another extreme. So yes, the absolute correct answer is correct. You yeah. may have some people who develop muscle mass very easily. Yeah. Okay. Whereas some people with the same dosage, okay, don't develop as much muscle mass, but they'll still be within that bell curve. They just won't be a, a one way versus the other. Right. And a bell curve basically is a distribution around the mean, and you'll have, a, a, you know, that whole whole area underneath that curve there. 
I hope I hope I'm explaining that well enough. Yeah. Mm. But yes, I've seen lots of people who have uh, respond to certain side effects or or certain positive effects. Uh, just as a, an anecdote, and I can't even say this is 100 percent sure, uh, but I found that anecdotally, the men the men that developed acne developed muscle mass quicker. Now, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if that is. I don't know if that's true overall. I can't say it. I've never seen a study, but that's just something I used to see. Mm. see. And I always go, well, that's too weird. Well, I, you know, I got a lot of acne when I was a kid, so maybe there's uh, hope for me yet, Dr. Scully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, yes, in fact, one thing I've seen quite remarkably is we mentioned earlier that uh, testosterone is converted to the female hormone estradiol. Yeah. Mm. So you would think that the more testosterone you give, actually you do, the more testosterone you give, the more female hormone estradiol the man will produce. And estradiol is, is implicated strongly in gynecomastia, the develop of breasts. Yep. So men who develop, who use a lot of testosterone without doing anything about it will eventually get a higher estradiol level and can develop breasts. But here's the remarkable thing, in that, uh, and this we come back to this bell curve, is I have some men that will take, the, the normal testosterone dose is about 150 milligrams per week. Yeah. All right. All right. But I have men that will take three times that much, 500 milligrams per week, and their estradiol levels are still normal. They don't, they don't produce more. This is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, but you have some men who take the 500 milligrams per week, and they're producing so much testosterone, they might, you know, they got to be very careful about what happens to them. So we come back again, it's just to the individual, certain things can occur more than to somebody else. It's just the way it is. No, but in this case, the estradiol level is way off the... Way, way off the uh, uh, you, you, you expect a certain kind of estradiol level uh, that's normal when you get 500 milligrams of estradiol. It's, it's greater than what would be for, for a normal person. Mm, yeah, okay. What about some of the, the psychological effects, Dr. Scally? I had a client who um, I had trained for a period of time and then he, he sort of took a break from training. Then he came back in last week. We sat down for initial sort of consult to figure out where he's at, and um, he's been sort he of... He was roostering about the roostering place. Roostering around the place, four weeks into a cycle of sustenance, yeah. I, I think it Testosterone, was. Testosterone, yep. And um, he was... You're roostering? What? Uh, just, uh, what's that word? Just uh, overly confident, strutting yeah. about the place. Yeah. A real yeah. swagger. What's that word? Roostering? Roostering. Yeah. Roostering around, yeah. Peacocking around the place Peacocking with the chest around. out and the feathers all spruiked up. Yeah, beating his <laughs> chest. But he was um, uh, you know, a really nice guy and he has had a, a history of depression and we've discussed that. But there was a, a real different uh, presence about him and he, he was probably less concerned with listening to things and, and more focused on getting his point across and I was asking him about, you know, how he felt and, and what the process was like. And he was, he was saying, mate, I feel like a million bucks, you know. I've got a, the sex drives through the roof, you know. Little things that used to annoy me. Don't, I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. I'm out there. I'm doing things. I've got a positive mindset. Like, he did present with a, a different energy. Disposition. Energy about him and a disposition. So what, what kind of stuff goes? Is there anything different that goes on in the brain when we start introducing exogenous testosterone? Well, he, he was taking how much? Uh, Think about 500 milligrams a week. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think uh, I would attribute to the higher testosterone levels. I would just increase to increased testosterone level. Uh, I don't know what his normal state is. You said he was depressed. What he was having in low testosterone levels, mm. but it definitely does increase libido, mm. and it, can, it, it does increase energy levels. Uh, higher testosterone levels will not make you into a uh, super stud. Okay, it won't do anything for increasing your erection function that much more than uh, what be normal. Yeah. Uh, nothing like a, a, a PDE5 inhibitor would do, you know, like a Viagra. Viagra would work probably work better for you than testosterone. Yeah. Yep. So uh, it, I would say to some extent is to the testosterone, but I think a large extent is due to what the person is uh, like normally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does he? He? You say he was depressed. I have no idea whether or not. Uh, the testosterone, well, if he's normal, like this other times without the testosterone. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it just as simple as that, that um, he feels fundamentally more like a man? One would assume if he was quite uh, inhibited, not necessarily, but 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 uh, I guess the, the depression there, and maybe if you mentioned his libido, maybe there were libido issues, and I suppose with the, the higher testosterone levels, all these, these um, male-dominant, 
uh, I guess actions mm. uh, all came back to him? Is it just that he, he feels more like a man that that, that he feels better about when himself? When you said came back to him, I don't know what you mean. When you say came back to him, what his levels were baseline. See, what I'm yeah. trying to say is, I think the, I think this fact is basically from his levels being within the normal or high normal, and that the addition of more didn't create more uh, roostering. I think he would have been roostering at 150 milligrams per week. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I I guess. Uh, yeah so we're probably just being because we are doctors we're all doctors here you're you're an actual doctor but we pretend to be doctors talking about stuff tom and i i suppose we're sort of saying that you know he he probably had low testosterone and he's noticing such a profound difference because now he has uh like you said 125 milligrams a week probably would have done the same but mm. but it's the fact that he has ample testosterone now that that's probably caused him to rooster around to rooster the place. and maybe just the the change in mindset you know just deciding yeah. to do something significant like maybe Positive. there's a, an element of placebo in it all as well you know uh, i'm feeling bigger and stronger and i'm doing this and and it all sort of starts to create a certain mindset around it mm. absolutely or it could be that time of the month <laughs> yeah. Now be careful, yeah. Tom. He might get a roid rage. Yes, you, you be yeah, careful. Right. Keep that's an eye right. on him. I mean, on that, um, I guess the addictive nature of of anabolics, or, uh, or or are they not? We'll ask Dr. Scally now. I mean, there certainly seems to be a pattern of people that I know who do uh, use exogenous supplementation, who uh, you know use it quite a lot, quite consistently, all, all the time, and they certainly feel better when they are than when they're not. Is there uh, a physical addictive basis, or is that a mindset? What, what's going on there? All the literature and all the studies done to date, except for those done by a few people like uh, Pope uh, and Brower, have shown that anabolic steroids are not addictive. Yeah. That's what I have found. They're not addictive. Uh, now, we can't say they're addictive just because when you come off them, you start feeling bad. The reason you feel bad when you come off them is that you develop hypogonadism. Yeah. Your testicles aren't working. You have hypo. You you have a syndrome called hypogonadism. And so that's not an addictive quality of what these medicines like. Right. They, it, it, all the studies have done, and they're not even they're not even classified as being addictive. The, okay. the, we have what's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is a psychiatric manual for psychiatrists. Yeah. and psychologists and then we have the international classification of medical diseases uh, uh, it's called the uh, ICDM uh, uh, or I, yeah ICDM and neither one of those classifies medical uh, anabolic steroids as addictive uh, okay. uh, so when we're talking about addiction we're talking about the use of the medical term now do we do we have a misuse of them you bet we do yeah. uh, people misuse them quite a bit and they misuse them for specific purposes to increase muscle mass because uh, they like the way they look. Mm. But then we get to a thing called muscle di uh, body dysmorphia. Yes. Mm. Which is a whole different concept in that it's sort of like the opposite of anorexia. They're just in love with what they look like and how they look. And so it's not so much the anabolic steroids, it's what they're looking like. Ah, uh, okay. Or if you take it a step further, their perception of, of themselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the perception of themselves, mm. exactly. Okay. Uh, all right. So we, we're getting a, a quite a, a well-rounded picture here. We've uh, we've introduced the concept of um, for our listener of, of, of the main uh, one of the main issues is this uh, keeps coming back to this um, you know when they stop using the anabolic steroids you know the shutdown of this this natural production and and I guess as we mentioned at the start of the the show you know you're uh, uh, certainly famous for the the Dr. Scally Power PCT pro protocol and we've we've thrown around this concept of PCT which for our actually, listener actually the name Power PCT was given to it by Nelson Virgil oh was it really I, I, I never yeah I Nelson was a co-author on one of my uh, studies yep yeah uh, I asked him to be a co-author on the study and he's the one when he put it out there, uh, he had a program called Power Programs, I guess, yeah. uh, for HIV patients and stuff. Yep. And so he put the moniker Power PCT on it. Uh, yes. So no. that's, where, that's where that came about. <laughs> that makes sense now. It's far more a, a Virgil term than a yeah, Scully term. No. Yeah, it's not quite black and white enough for you, Dr. Scully. Yeah. But, um, I, I but, just don't use... Uh, monikers like that but yeah. that's okay no. because it made it well known that's for sure yeah, yeah. well nelson's uh you know a friend of mine and uh he's been on the program which uh trying to get him out to down under do a bit of a uh, a seminar series for for men's health but um but that's another story i was going to say again coming back to pct and um uh why don't we just talk about what 
what you're actually uh, what do you actually propose so there's the doctors at the moment turn turn the individual away or hey hopefully it will come back you know um here's an antidepressant if you get depressed or you know heaven forbid they go down that route but what uh what do you propose like what are the um i'm assuming there's some sort of pharmaceutical intervention like what are you trying to actually do to the body to just to give our listener a bit of an overview of of what actually happens or, yeah. or in a perfect world correct now uh just to define some a term here pct stands for post psychotherapy so most of your listeners it, it are might be familiar with that term yep. but the other thing that's confusing to a lot of people is that what does post psychotherapy uh, mean as far as the timing is concerned and one of my biggest uh, or not one of my complaints about the use of the term is that many people will use the word term PCT to only mean uh, the med- use of the medicines uh, sort of like aromatization inhibitors or yep. estradiol blockers those kind of things and I use the term PCT basically and I find it easier to believe is that it's that period after you stop using anabolic steroids yep so after you stop using anabolic steroids, your HPTA, your hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis, will be suppressed. Yep. And the thing that we have to remember is that 100% of anabolic steroids, and SARMs, by the way, mm. and uh, this is for you people out there that use SARMs and PCT, you're an idiot. <laughs> SARMs suppress the HPTA just like anabolic steroids. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, one uh, anabolic steroids uh, suppress the anabolic, uh, the HPTA 100% of the time. Okay. The difference being in the duration and the severity. Yep. And so what I mean by that is depending upon usually what we know anecdotally is by the type, dose, and duration of the anabolic steroid you're taking. So whether you're taking 500 milligrams of testosterone for one month yep. versus six months, the duration and the severity, the severity being how low the testosterone would be when you come off, the duration being the length of how long it'll be low, it'll be dependent upon those three factors, type, dose, and duration of the anabolic steroid that you've been taking. Okay. And what we can do is we can get that kind of uh, relationship from male contraceptive studies. We do have some, do we do have some uh, studies where they've given 200 milligrams of testosterone enanthate, uh, depotestosterone, uh, to men as a male contraceptive to suppress the spermatogenesis, the sperm count. And they've done this, giving it to men for up to three years. Oh. And what they find is that when they stop, they become hypogonadal and the sperm count will come back after a while. But some, some men can be, remain hypogonadal for three years after they stop. Wow. We come back to that bell curve. Yep. You're gonna have, you're gonna have a whole spread of men amongst that. Some, just, just to give you a little, a little thing, some men can be on 200 milligrams per week of testosterone and their sperm count is still good. Okay. Versus some men, it'll be down as, as almost zero. Okay. okay. So the Bell question curve. is, what can we do to men after they get off the anabolic steroid to get their body back to normal? Yep. Well, we, we know we've got the brain and the balls. Medical Pardon? term for our listener, the balls. Yeah, the ball. Um, we've got the testes, the brain and the balls. And so what we got to do is try and get those two to get back working and work together. Yep. Uh, and so we have to decide, well, how do we do that? Well, I've seen some people uh, basically uh, say, well, we'll just give something that stimulates the brain without stimulating the testicles. Uh, and that w- that might work sometimes. And you see that an awful lot amongst uh, people that are using anabolic steroids. And those are using the drugs called SERMs, Selective Estradiol Receptor Modulators. They block the, se- the estradiol receptor. And as, as we said a minute ago, is that testosterone and estradiol are both important in the feedback loop. Yep. Not testosterone, but estradiol as well, inhibits the brain and the pituitary from producing those pituitary hormones. So what they'll do is they'll take those SERMs, like Novadex, Examestane, uh, Letrozole. Uh, these are different type of compounds that block the estradiol receptor. Or they may even take instead aromatization inhibitors. And what that means is when testosterone is committed to estradiol, it uses an enzyme called aromatase. Yep. So use a drug that inhibits right. the, the enzyme there. Yep. And uh, me, what I, I mentioned, uh, letrozole, that is one of those. Arimidex is, is another one. Yep. Uh, so some people will use that. What I did do instead, because what happens is too often that doesn't work, is that you, use the, you stimulate the testicles first. And once you see the testicles respond, you then take that drug away, 
And then you start with stimulating pituitary so it can overtake that and take the whole system on. And the drug that stimulates the testicles or the balls is called human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG. Okay. And uh, what we do is we give that to men for approximately one month. We can check the testosterone level to see how well the testes are responding. And once we see that the testes are responding, we stop that drug and we overlap with about a week's worth so that we don't see any kind of loss in time, because if you stop the HCG and you just start using the drug for the brain right after you stop it, there may be a short period of time in there where the testes are shut down until the brain picks up. Okay. So we overlap those a little bit, and then we give the medications to stimulate the brain, and then the LH overtakes the testicles with the HCG left off. Now, HCG is just like LH. It's a little bit different. HCG comes from placenta women or synthetically produced. And so we, we used a combination of HCG with medicines that stimulate the brain. Now, one point that's important here is that most, one of the major causes for uh, hypogonadism that I see when men come in, ASIH, is they follow what's called this two-week rule. I don't know where they got this from, but it's <laughs> the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yeah. And the two-week rule is they start, they don't use HCG, or if they do, they use HCG only for those two weeks. And what they do is they wait two weeks after they stop their anabolic steroids from their last injection or last oral, and they start with the uh, estradiol blockers or the aromatization inhibitors. Okay? Yep. But what they fail to recognize or understand is that when you take something like 500 milligrams of testosterone enanthate or cypionate per week, it's going to take a month for that drug to clear from the body. So. Yep. If you're starting to give them a drug that affects the brain when the brain is still inhibited, it's not going to do you any good. Mm. And this is what I think most men get into problems with, is that they take, they take not enough time and they're in a hurry to get themselves back to normal. My feeling is that why are you in such a hurry to get back to normal when you may hurt yourself and not get things back to normal? So, for instance, 500 milligrams of testosterone and anthate a week, I would, I would set aside a complete month for the testosterone to leave the body. During that month, you take the HCG to produce the testosterone while, the t while your exogenous testosterone is leaving. And then at the very end of that month, you can, you can start with your brain stimulators, the yeah. estradiol blockers or the uh, aromatization inhibitors, and use those for two to four weeks to get the system back working again. Okay. And you mentioned blood work in there as well. So in a perfect world again, and we're talking about perfect world scenarios, you would... Um, the individual stops the, the anabolics, they start on the HCG at a dosage you know, recommended by the, the, the qualified practitioner and then at that, uh, at that mark, you're looking, that month mark, you're looking for uh, a week before the end of the month, you're looking at seeing some stimulation of the, the testes, so you're seeing your, your testosterone uh, count um, acceptable and then you're overlapping the, the brain stimulating um, of pharmaceuticals, and then that will finish the process of, of post-cycle therapy. Correct. Now, you, 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 do, you can, if this is, we, go, we go back to what we were saying before. One can imagine that if we have doctors who are trained in this, yeah. who know about this, we can develop a great set of a database about which anabolic steroids are more suppressive, not suppressive, yeah. what kind of drugs are being used better, what kind of uh, protocols are being better. I've had to develop this protocol you know, on my own, uh, with no help from the outside medical community, uh, and basically I'm sitting here saying this is the best I have so far, and it's changed quite a bit over the years. But wouldn't it be much better if people were trained? Because we got, we've we've got over a million anabolic steroid users out there, and I yeah. think they'd be very happy to know that they could come see a doctor, and at least if they can't get the anabolic steroids from them, which they're not going to get, they could get these drugs by prescription, and we'd have a better understanding about what to do to get these people back to normal uh, yeah. yeah i mean that's drugs, we're talking about hcg and the estradiol blockers and the estradiol and, and, and inhibitors are not uh, drugs of, uh, of misuse uh, yeah. and they don't cause high testosterone levels to any extent like anabolic steroids well that was actually a, a question i was going to ask dr scally it's a bit, a bit of a layman's question but if the hcg does stimulate the the testicles to start producing more testosterone what what would happen if someone just took that in the first place is there any i mean is there any way to actually stimulate well, the testes to start producing more testosterone yeah men, men, men do that now it's called hcg monotherapy i don't recommend it i, I don't find it very very useful uh for one reason you produce more estradiol hcg stimulates the testicles to produce not just testosterone but estradiol and one of the side effects is gynecomastia but many times you can't you can't 
stimulate the testicles to produce levels high enough for someone to be on that alone. Right. Uh, it can help produce levels fairly good, but I don't think anything for the long term. Okay. So cross that one off the list, Tom. Tom yeah. just had his pen and paper out making a note, HCG, start, <laughs> start tomorrow. No, Tom. Yeah, there's no yeah, way no around No fans or buts. It's, it's anabolic zone. It's, it's an injectable, and you'd have to do it every, you have to do it every three days. Most, a lot of men do it every other day, every day. Every day is ridiculous. But every yeah. three days is probably the optimal uh, schedule for it. Yeah, and, and it's made from placenta. Like, do you really want to do that, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they also have a recombinant. Uh, this technology they have a recombinant uh, HCG now which is made in the, in the lab okay. you know it's, it's made in a machine hmm. absolutely fascinating and, and, and I suppose um, that duration that you're describing um, you know that three year scenario for example someone on uh, super, physiologi- super physiological doses for three years that whole process of a month and uh, and another four weeks of the the CIRMs, the selective selective estrogen receptor modulators or the aromatase inhibitors, the the brain stimulating uh, pharmaceuticals. That whole process may actually take uh, quite a bit longer. And and I suppose worst case scenario, if if uh, I'm assuming you try that um, protocol for a longer period and then you said that sometimes it never comes back. Would that be, I guess, another plus with with doctors that can actually do this? They will know that, okay, the individual has used anabolic steroids, the individual has done some irreparable damage to their HPTA uh, and their production uh, of testosterone is non-existent, even though we've given it a, a length of time and uh, used these this procedure to stimulate testes, then they can conclude that, well, this individual may actually have to have testosterone therapy uh, hereafter, rather than that, that murky world of, of not treating them and, 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 and all those uh, negative health concerns that come along with having low or being hypogonadal. Yeah, well, here's, here's uh, my perspective on this, and, and you're absolutely correct. Again, I keep coming back to data. Uh, what I have seen, and you probably have heard this if you're familiar with any of the forums, is that sometimes you'll have an individual that does not come back to normal after using the treatment of the HCG and the CIRMs, yep. or, and the other things, for whatever reason. Most of the time, I, I find it's because they didn't do it right, and they didn't have the timing down right, which is another reason why if doctors started treating this, we'd be able to finesse this and get more data points to yeah. find out what we to do exactly. My point being is that many times uh, they won't come back to normal, but then they'll try it again later and they get back to normal. So the question we have here is that do we give up on somebody yeah. who has done this therapy and they don't get back to normal uh, after they've used anabolic steroids? Now, we could develop uh, evidence and literature and, and data again to say at what point we can give up, but I have found that even after you've done it, okay, one time and you put them on testosterone replacement therapy, it's worthwhile to try again later, maybe 12 months, 16 months, 18 months down the road to see if you can get them back to normal. We don't have, my point being is, we don't have the evidence yet that we need to give up. Okay. We haven't investigated this thoroughly to find out that we need to give up. Uh, I'm willing to give up if we have the evidence to say, hey, you know, it ain't going to work anymore. But it's not out there because we haven't had anybody treating these people and reproducing the literature and the and the studies we can say at what point do we give up mm. so when, when, when i'll just jump in there tom when do you think i mean you're sort of i can i can sense a, 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 a an air of hope in your voice like is this something that you are hoping is going to occur like uh, that they will actually start um you know, treating and, and, you know, doctors learning how to, to treat uh, these scenarios and get, gather the information, the literature, so you can finesse, uh, fine-tune and, and add finesse to the, the, the process. Is that, like, do you think it's going to occur or is it just uh, pie in the uh, sky and, and uh, wishful thinking? I think it's a combination of both. But I think it'll occur, but it's going to occur maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now once uh, the other gen- younger generation takes over and realizes that we've yeah. just been a bunch of idiots, you know? <laughs> Uh, we've just been, uh, you know, uh, there's so many things we do in society and culture that are based upon absolutely nothing but fear. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we find out that it's just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I think uh, eventually we'll, somebody will come along and say, you know, we, we can use this. This could, be, this could be helpful. As we said, for sarcopenia, cancer, cachexia, uh, frailty, 
once we realize it can be useful for those conditions, other conditions, and we're getting away from the uh, mistreating the, pariah, uh, the anabolic steroid use, which we treat as pariah, then I think you're going to see more and more push to mm. figure this out. Uh, there was a there was a hesitancy upon the um, society to approve to approve anabolic steroids, even for people that have cancer, and yeah. uh, mm. because they're 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 worried about the misuse. Uh, well, I mean, again, I come back to the point: why aren't we quite, why aren't we investigating the misuse? We just go, oh, it's misuse, out, oh, we go, yeah. go. Why aren't we investigating it? You know. Maybe there's something there we can use and see, uh, besides just getting scared of and running away from. Mm. Look, I think that's exactly right, and the, I guess the real challenge is is that there is so much misuse, yeah. and then even if there was a, a program put in place for doctors to start treating these cases and collecting some of that uh, data that you're talking about, Dr. Scally, I mean, with people having to source it illegally, and, and, yeah. and it's, it's been made by our underground labs and coming out from here, there, and wherever, you can't base the data on a set dosage of a set compound and know that it's consistent and everything across the board as well. It's just a... It's Possible a, scenario. It's a, it's a real tough one. It's a tough one. I agree. It's mm. a tough one. But, we, you know, so if we can start by... Number one, we start just by treating them so we can look at liver functions and all these other kind of things, gynecomastia, heart function, yeah. all this, so all these guys can come to, the, come to clinics and know that nothing's going to happen to them. We can start finding out what's going on with them. And then secondly, we can start treating them to have them recovered. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. We don't know the doses and the amounts. But yet, remember, we also mentioned we can start testing the stuff that we that they use, bring yeah. it in, yeah, and go, yeah. look, we're not taking it from you. We're going to yeah. test it and make sure you're safe. Yeah, that's a okay. good point. Okay, so we can find out a little bit about it. And Because one thing for sure, I think we can categorically say, and the evidence supports this, is that anabolic steroid use has not gone down over the years. It's gone up. Yes. And and in fact, we've we've uh, we we're, we're two faced about this because you're in Australia. I don't think you have direct to consumer advertising down there, do you? Do we have what? Do, do, do you advertise drugs on your TV down there or cable? No. No, not like no. Certainly not not like in the states with uh, you know yeah. pharmaceutical branded ad- advertising. No. Testosterone is all over the TV here. Yeah. Everywhere. Right. And in fact, what they do, what do they do? Uh, they, they advertise, they don't advertise so much a sex drive. You see guys, you see this 70 year old guy without a shirt on. And he's showing, <laughs> yeah. off, he's showing off his muscles. Yeah. Awesome. Tell, tell me that that doesn't uh, encourage people to use anabolic steroids. Yeah, yeah. When we're being two faced about this, the yeah. drug companies are pushing testosterone out the kazoo, okay, like it's water. They, it's a, it's a multi billion dollar industry right now, TRT. Mm. Yeah, yep. It's not that's a small, small pie thing, it's big money. Okay, so uh, on one hand, we're doing this and we're letting doctors prescribe TRT who don't yeah. even know what to do with most of them. They're just giving testosterone like it's water out, out on one side. But yeah, we're not studying this stuff to find out what's really going on. So that's why I think at some point, we're going to come to some reasonable median there where we start treating the anabolic steroids and doing the recovery for them. Yeah. So what are you working on now then, Dr. Skelly? What's, what's, uh, obviously, there's a lot of passion behind what you're doing. Is there anything uh, pioneering and, and new in the pipeline? Maybe, actually, before you answered, uh, Dr. Skelly, maybe a comeback to the competition stage. Masters, uh, Grandmasters uh, bodybuilding, <laughs> uh, 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 Mr. Texas, round two. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've, uh, I, uh, I've gone, uh, gone from 198 pounds. I want to get down to 170. 160 even. Uh, my whole thing now is longevity. Yep, so, yeah. So you know, I, I know it's weird, but I'm a vegetarian. Uh, oh. Not quite a vegan. I eat eggs and cheese. Good. Uh, but I don't. I don't eat any meat. I run 10 miles a day, and I do uh, mostly uh, um, stretching and, and calisthenics, like you know, push-ups, pull-ups, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. So you know, at the age of 65, I'm looking more towards the long term. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, the runways. The runway is getting short. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So nothing, uh, nothing you're working on in the pipe behind the scenes there that our I, listeners could. Uh... I have, I've written a number of chapters in a book on um, ASIH. I'd like to finish that. You know, treatment of ASIH. Awesome. And, and I've written a, a, a paper. I, I want to publish it about the telltale signs of anabolic steroid use, <laughs> which is you know basically you know, H, things like HDL, SHBG, things that you can see when you come in. Um, I think part of the part of the thing I'd like to see is when people do go on TRT nowadays, 
Uh, they don't even check to see their responses to ACG before they put them on ACG. Yeah. Um, so that's about it. Um, nothing phenomenal. Okay. okay. Do you actually do um, consults and, and stuff like that for people, if there are listeners out there that um, would like to get in contact for post-cycle therapy and stuff like that? Is that something that you make available? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've treated people now from probably, uh, as you know, I've tried people mm. almost... <laughs> Twenty or thirty different countries around the world. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you want to put in my uh, email address or whatever from that, that'd be appreciated. Yes. Well, well. How do they get in contact with you? What's the email there, mate? Yeah, mscally at alum a l u m dot m i t dot e d u. Perfect. And uh, well, not, I think you, I might might have that in one of the emails I've given to you. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, they can always yeah. they can always contact me on we'll uh, we'll Facebook. The and they also you're on a, a couple of uh, Facebook forums there as well. Very uh, vocal on there, so they can also um, a Facebook forum with almost ten thousand members right now. Uh, what's that one, mate? It's called uh, testosterone. Yeah, and now uh, you're That's putting up. And you always, uh, lots of uh, the latest scientific studies, which I get from you uh, every every day, almost the latest uh, and greatest. Uh, in, that, in that group, you'll probably be more you'll be more up to date than any physician in the world, probably. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we we post not only do we have people posting about different types of anabolics and treatments and et cetera like that. I'll post every single up to date article yeah. uh, in that group, and I post them the day they're put out on uh, PubMed or even before. Yeah. That's why I say if you read those, you'll be more up to date than anybody else in the, in the, in the world. And, and you're also very uh, active on there, so you do respond to uh, questions. And there's lots of um, other members that, uh, that do help each other out and uh, lots of uh, very, 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 very interesting read. Uh, I love uh, trolling through there and uh, reading, chucking a few love hearts on there. Very good. Yeah. I think it's pretty helpful. I mean, 10,000 members, I think that's pretty good. I don't know how great. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, awesome I think stuff. so, for sure. Okay, mate. We're uh, that, uh, let's wrap things up about there. Absolute pleasure having you. Finally, having you on the program and uh, getting in some insight into um, into the world, I guess, of, of, of anabolic use and, and abuse to a degree, and and um, the the scenarios that, that can play out, and and I guess the the hope for the future in in, in treating those that, that do it, uh, actually use anabolics and um, and you know want to seek therapy thereafter. You know, maybe. Uh, Maybe as a start of uh, start of the push, maybe uh, some doctors will listen to the program, and uh, you know we, we can play our small role on on getting the message out there and um, educating those um, in regards to this world. Yeah, we're good. I had a really good time. Thanks much. And, and uh, I, after I get off, I'm going to go uh, roostering to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just be, beat the chest, you know, sort of kick the legs out backwards, and, and, and really spruik yeah. the feathers. Yeah, that's. Uh, I like that roostering. I like roostering. that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you as with a lot of our uh, guests that we have on, I, I always throw it out there. If you ever do want a 65, it's not too old to hop on a plane and come down to um, uh, Sydney. Have you come to uh, Australia at all before, Mike? I would love to go to Australia. I would love to go to Australia. Well, would, maybe. It's been it's been one of my uh, actually a dream I've always had to go to Australia. I don't know why. I mean, I I think it comes from my surfing days. I used to surf for like yeah. ten years. Awesome. And I used yeah. to uh, Australia is one of the places I hitchhiked to California. And I flew to Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for uh, about six months surfing. <laughs> awesome. After, after after high school, I didn't go to college. I wow. hitchhiked around the country. And then uh, when I got to California, I, I stayed with some surfing bums, and I had a surfboard with me, and I took it, and, and I flew over to Hawaii, and I slept on the beach and lived there for six months. Wow. Makaha, Makaha and those other places, surfed around there. So it's always been a dream of mine. Like, I don't surf that anymore, but I do body surf. I love body surfing. Yeah. Well, mate, I'm going uh, to make this a personal mission to get you out to Australia. So we'll, we'll, talk, uh, we'll talk behind the scenes and see if we can make it happen. I'm pretty sure we could drum up uh, a seminar or two just to justify the uh, trip down under, pay for the flights, and um, you can come, come and check out the place. Swim in the ocean. Beautiful. I, I believe you. I believe you. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I, I've never been there, but my mind is a paradise. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, mate, enjoy the rest of your night, and um, we'll look forward to chatting again sometime soon. Uh, take care, and thank you very much. Thank you, Thanks, Dr. Mike. Scully. Well Bye. done. Roostering around. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mind the old roostering, nah. Dr. Scully. Look, uh, and I will say it again, mate, uh, 
what a what an interview like uh, an absolute pleasure you know because like I said we've been I've been talking to him for many years and uh, I'd send him a thesis and I'd get a one word answer mm. and usually like a an, an acronym for something so um, the fact that he was actually uh, quite freely uh, giving away all that uh, invaluable information and insight into to yeah. what he knows uh, is absolute pleasure listening 100% and, and what a uh what an interesting guy, you know. Now he's a vegetarian. He goes for a long yeah, runs well, look, every he, day. He he, uh, he dropped down a few few rungs on the ladder. And told me he's a vegetarian, <laughs> but you know we're not going to hold yeah. that against him. Very interesting what he was saying about the addiction, and yeah. whilst recognizing that there is a misuse in society, there's not really any studies that suggest it's an addictive uh, no. addictive process. So that's no. that, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There he was, Dr. Michael Scully. An absolute pleasure to have him on. Yep. If you guys have got any questions off the back of that, uh, feel yeah. free to shoot them through to uh, the email address on the website underthebarpodcast.com yep. or you could leave us a speak pipe with mm. various questions. Yeah, and also remember that uh, I do have access to a really uh, great uh, doctor that handles the testosterone uh, therapy side of things. So if you want to uh, get the details of that, shoot us a, either me a, a personal message on my Facebook or Instagram page, or um, or certainly via the website. But yeah. I'm happy to uh, steer you in that direction as well. Excellent. Well, have a lovely day, and uh, keep one eye out for trench talk mm. in the coming mm. weeks.